Hey everybody, welcome to another AdOps Podcast. This week we're putting out our second episode on latency. So we're talking to Gabe DeWitt, who has a thorough understanding of latency on the publisher side. He recently switched over to Index Exchange, but he worked at several media companies and built and architected several kind of latency control and management systems. This is a really interesting and very content-rich podcast. Uh, you know, I usually write it at the show notes, which cover the topics we hit on each podcast. I want to say these show notes are probably two or three times as long as most of the things we hit, just because Gabe dropped so much knowledge on this podcast. It's tough right now to talk about latency in the puptural without addressing header bidding. So header bidding is kind of woven into this episode. Gabe has some really interesting points of view on it where the common narrative behind header bidding is that it slows down a publisher's page. Gabe has an interesting perspective that it doesn't have to slow down a publisher's page and in fact it can speed a page up. And his logic which makes a lot of sense is that you know if you previously had a waterfall with 20 partners in it if you cut 10 of those off and make them bid simultaneously you could actually have your ads loading faster via header bidding which makes a ton of sense and is super interesting. One of the other topics that I wanted to kind of explain before we get into this is Gabe references a couple of times what he calls the DOM, which means the document object model. It's kind of a concept within technology and browsers. It's basically how a site calls itself and how the structure of the site is laid out and defines how other programs interact with it. It's not super important to know, but it's an abbreviation that we don't explicitly define. Thanks again for subscribing. We're doing a big push for new listeners over the next couple of weeks. Thanks again to everyone who's subscribed, their friends and coworkers and other people in the industry. One of the reasons that increasing our subscriber base is so important is that all of our guests come from the network that I've built through our subscribers. So both Gabe and Manny, so the last two episodes we've released, wouldn't be possible without our subscriber base and getting introduced to them and being able to reach out to them to say, you know, who are the best people in the industry to talk about latency. So we spend a lot of time on the podcast each week. It's great. We love the audience that we've built and the more people that you can pass along to us and you can have sign up at adpipes.io slash blog. It'd be much appreciated. So without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Gabe. Hey everybody, welcome to another AdOps podcast. This week we're here with Gabe DeWitt, who's the VP of Technical Ops at Index Exchange. How's it going, Gabe? It's going great. So I'm not sure which order we're going to release these, but we previously recorded a podcast with Manny, who's now at Pad Squad, about ad tech side latency. And we wanted to talk to you because you have a deep background in kind of publisher side latency. What's uh, Can you give kind of a high level summary of you know where you picked up these skills and where you came from? Yeah. So uh, I've been at Index Exchange now two weeks, and it's been Sweet. great. <laughs> um, but previous to that, I was on the publisher side for the last four years. Uh, two years at Curse and two years before that at Say Media. Um, and especially in the last two years of Curse, uh, I developed a header bidding mediation layer uh, of my own that I wrote yeah. myself. Um, and in doing so, I had to tackle all of the latency goblins around header bidding. And I ended up even speaking at conferences and, and such because I have a pretty strong opinion about it. Yeah, it seems like something that comes up more and more now, especially as header bidding is getting more popular. Do you see header bidding kind of making latency worse or it depends on how you unroll it? It completely depends on how you do it. And yeah. I actually am a big advocate for header bidding being a better way of managing time in terms of ad display on pages. Yeah. Um, I think we, we talked before and I'd like to just give the three areas that I think yeah, are go for it. important for latency. So everybody talks about latency. It's a big, big issue with ads, right? Everybody hates their web page to go slow. Um, I think it's important to dig a little bit into it and break latency, which is speed of page load up into three sections. Yeah. 
One is DOM rendering. So that means how fast does the content of a web page actually show up in the browser? Mm -hmm. JavaScript processing, which is to say how much you know uh, JavaScript is using the RAM on a computer. Yeah. That can slow things down. And network bandwidth, which is how many network calls are being done. Are you on Wi-Fi, a DSL, etc.? In those three areas, header bidding utilizes the head section, which which is processed before the body of a web page, and yeah. typically asynchronous JavaScript, which means that it doesn't hold up the page load mm -hmm. while it does its thing. That alone actually typically will produce much faster uh, visual display of content than the traditional passback chain tag-based uh, synchronous JavaScript methods of traditional advertising. So I think it's actually way better. Um, I've seen one on the publisher side, a significant increase in page views, something in the 20, 20 to 40% range wow. with moving from a very thick passback chain using synchronous tags to uh, header bidding asynchronous uh, methodologies. Um, briefly on the JavaScript processing side, Unless you create an infinite for loop or something in your code, which means bad code, yeah. you should be fine. Modern computers have great RAM installed, and it just tends not to be an issue. But you know, if we want to dig into it, there are some gotchas in, in programming your um, your looping uh, for header bidding. Yeah, I mean, um, let's dig into it. So, in each of those three components, are there kind of like low hanging fruit? slash easier things to address, or it depends on the site? Yes, there are. I mean, again, for the DOM, make sure you're using asynchronous. Yeah. If you're using synchronous, you're, that's the problem. You need to go to asynchronous. All the major platforms support this now. Yeah. Um, I think it's basically table stakes for advertising. On the JavaScript processing, so because header bidding is mostly about a management of making bid requests, and getting bid responses. And if you write or, or manage your own mediation layer, that means that you're doing some sort of business logic around dealing with those bids. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and typically that's implemented through a, a looping mechanism yeah. in JavaScript, a set timeout or a, a set interval. Mm -hmm. And you can mess up there. You can put too much code in that interval, which is running you know, too fast, for example, or you could not stop the interval at appropriate times. Yeah. And, and it is potentially uh, a risk that you can then, you know, just the page will feel chunky. It'll, it'll be slow. Uh, with header bidding, uh, a lot of the work that you're doing is going to be in creating bid requests and managing bid responses. Yeah. And as doing that, um, typically you'll write a set interval or a set timeout JavaScript loop. And if you put too much code in there or you call it too frequently and don't end it when its job is kind of done, uh, you, you can slow down the processing of the page, which yeah. um, visually will often be sort of a, a clunkier or a chunky scroll experience. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a giveaway. So there's a gotcha. On the, on the network bandwidth side, um, this is really about being sensitive to the amount of internet bandwidth available to your user on their given browser. Um, and so things like device detection, knowing if you're on Wi-Fi versus dial-up, DSL, phone versus a, a computer, can help you decide to call more or less bidders um, and potentially adjust their timeouts to be more sensitive to not using up the potentially limited amount of network bandwidth. Yeah. Is that a common practice? I mean, I feel like that has never occurred to me, and I'm a reasonably technically savvy person. <laughs> so, no, uh, I would say neither the... the the JS processing optimizations or the network bandwidth uh, by dimension get much discussion today in ad tech. Yeah. Uh, I've implemented them a couple of years ago, so they've been out there, and I've talked to lots of other publishers, and I know that some are doing work around that, but I don't think that they're 
commonly uh, thought about much. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that with the ability to read the type of connection a user's on, you can customize their experience past just desktop, mobile, tablet. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you can either do that by detecting the, the packet route itself or... In header bidding, there's a concept of what's called bid landscape. So that's from every platform that you have integrated, you measure the bid that you get back. Mm -hmm. And the array of those bids is your bid landscape, right? Yeah. There's a similar anal analogous concept called a time landscape. And I've worked with that for, again, years. It's not typically very common, but you can measure the response time from each platform as well as the final time that the user spends on a page. Mm -hmm. And from that, build a time landscape. How much time do I have? right now for this user on the last page view, how long did each platform take to respond? Mm -hmm. And that's a really strong proxy to the network bandwidth because regardless of what they're on, they might be very close to a router or they might be very far away. They might be on Wi-Fi, but it's you know LTE and it's working fast or it could be very slow. They might be downloading BitTorrent movies and mm -hmm. there's not a lot of bandwidth on their computer right now. Yeah. Uh, and so actually measuring the real response time from platforms is, is typically, in my opinion, the best way to kind of adjust your decisioning. Um, and you can use like a cookie or something to store the last set of values and then adjust each additional page view. So one of the interesting things that came up in the podcast with Manny uh, that, again, was counterintuitive to me is on the ad tech side wanting to leave the bid window as open as long as possible to collect the maximum amount of bids and therefore get the highest CPMs. Is it the same logic on the publisher side that you don't want to close down header bidding too early? Yeah, so it can be. So for me, I've always said that the fundamental dynamic in header bidding for the publisher is a balance between speed and opportunity. Yeah. So if you go too slow and you don't display an ad, you get zero. Yeah. So that, that is bad. If you go too fast, you're very likely uh, not allowing as much demand as possible to compete. And potentially you're not doing other things to try to, you know, gather data or, or, there are various yield optimization techniques you can be using, but they tend to each one of them take longer and longer and longer. Yeah. So it becomes very important to find the sweet spot between going very fast and going slower, but making potentially higher bids or, or, or more money. Yeah. And I, I would advocate as a, as for a publisher that the key performance index to evaluate whatever your solution is, is on total revenue that can be backed out as well. Right. If you, if you've injured your user experience, say, by somehow doing something that's latent and the page is, is slower and people are getting mad and the bounce rate is increasing and you're getting less traffic, you're going to make less money. Now, I wouldn't completely advocate that, you know, if you can make more money by really hurting your user experience and having a very small user base, that's really better. That, that feels just morally bad in terms of the intention of creating websites for content consumption. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Except for that extreme example, I do think that publishers need to make money. <clears throat> they have a bottom line. They provide a free service on a micropayment transaction that's called ads. Mm -hmm. And maximizing that revenue is kind of certainly the job of anybody in yield ops or monetization. And it, it can be a hard talk back to your key stakeholders at your company that, hey, even though the ads are taking longer to display, we're making more money. And I think that the, the, the real negotiation point there is that if you decouple the rendering of the content from the ads displaying, at that point, it doesn't really matter how long it took the ads to display. And you can say, okay, so the ads pop in a second and a half later, but we, we found under analysis that that actually makes us more money than having the ads pop on on 200 milliseconds. What's the problem? Yeah, that makes total sense. 
and assuming the user's getting the content and they're starting to digest the content early. It doesn't really matter if the ads click in a second, a second and a half later. Exactly. And there's, there's long been the back and forth between, you know, are slower ads worse or better? Certainly there's people that would say that getting the ads there as fast as possible increases the chance of a click, which performance is important for, for monetization and, and, and the ads uh, ROI. At the same time, ads that pop in also visually draw the eye. And so there is a whole counter camp that says that it actually isn't much worse for performance potentially. Yeah, that's interesting. So for the average publisher, are there kind of the the low-hanging fruit of latency? Like assuming a publisher's never tried to manage a latency before, where would you start looking on a site? Yeah, that's you know, it's difficult if a publisher has really never got into it. I would advocate that the first step to measuring latency is that you have to figure out what reports you're going to use to judge how your latency is today and how any changes you make impact it. If if you really have no tools at your disposal, Google Analytics at least gives you some proxies in yeah. terms of bounce bounce rate, time on page, number of uniques, visitors, things like that. Mm-hmm. You can try to try to adjust to those metrics and as you make changes in your advertising system, see if they go up and down. Preferably you can pass into DFP or your own reporting system like MetaMarkets or um, Interana or something that's giving you some data. Mm-hmm. You can actually send events for when you begin the bid request, when you get them back, when you call GPT, when the page unloads, and from that sort of build a time landscape um, that you can analyze. Uh, but I do appreciate that for a lot of publishers, that's you know that's rigorous work. Yeah, and but that is a good point. Of you have to choose what is your measurement baseline, and make sure you're standardizing a test. Yeah, so I mean, I even below Google Analytics, just worst case, you can sit at your own computer and have some people in your company sit there and reload a page and yeah, you know, make adjustments and and see that it loads faster. Yeah, and just look at it in the network part of DevTools. Yeah, get Charles and adjust your bandwidth. Try it on dial-up. Try it on DSL. Do some different settings. I mean, that's also just generally speaking good QA to make sure that your code doesn't break on different speeds. Yeah, it's very true. So assuming they have some way of measuring latency, kind of where would you start looking at a publisher's page to see what the potentially easier things to fix are? So really, if you've decoupled the ads from the content, in mm-hmm. other words, done asynchronous, uh, and you're optimizing to get the content there in front of the user as quick as possible, you, you've really opened up Greenfield. Yeah. Uh, in each case that I've done that before, that was that was just such a breath of fresh air. The whole content team and editorial team um, was relieved, and it, it sort of it stopped the fire. Yeah. A- after that, it's kind of on you to optimize towards revenue versus time. Mm-hmm. And hopefully kind of try to strike that balance between waiting longer, setting initially maybe a global timeout and then a timeout by device, by geo on your bidders to kind of drive down to, you know, if we adjust the time, how do we get to that sweet spot between speed and opportunity? Your loss rate is a key variable, right? How many times are you not, you're making a, a bid request, you're calling even DFP perhaps, but you're, or your ad server, but you're not getting an ad display. Yeah. That loss number you want to decrease as much as possible, but at the same time, your eCPM and fill rate you want to increase as much as possible. Those all those all roll into a daily revenue number, um, and as you make your time adjustments, you, that's what you're looking at. I mean, revenue can be driven by a couple different things. Like, it, how easy is it to isolate just the latency component versus um, you know the the other factors on revenue? 
It's not. <clears throat> it's not that easy. And you're absolutely right. Uh, seasonality, even time within month, yeah. ad campaigns can affect very strongly the revenue. Um, so closer numbers would be sort of fill rate by platform. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you can capture it, the response time by platform <clears throat> is important. Um, yeah. But yeah, fill rate. And, and to note, if you do start increasing opportunity, it's very likely that your eCPM will go down because you're, you're, you're taking in more bids. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But your fill rate will go up. And so by platform, revenue should go up. Um, it is difficult, though, to wash out revenue. Uh, and this gets into sort of advanced <laughs> advanced instrumentation, which could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, but I guess quickly, like, you know, what tools did you manage latency with? Like, assuming a publisher could buy, build, whatever they wanted. Like, what is the stack to look at and manage latency look like? Uh, initially, uh, I approached measuring latency by basically... Um, pushing all of the key values into DFP, utilizing DFP's cloud storage data transfer files, which are impression level logs, reading out, parsing the key values that were in those logs uh, through a transform and aggregation process like uh, Redshift or Domo, Mm -hmm. and then putting it into uh, front end like Tableau or just, you know, reports in in Excel files. Yeah. And trying to see with changes, what was the fill rate? What was the ECPM? What were the average times by dimension? And then setting configuration files across dimensions. Later, I realized that anytime you pick a cohort, some sort of a bucket mm-hmm. to, to evaluate, uh, say a timeout or a floor price on, um, you, you're, you're, you're making too big of an assumption. Hmm. Ireland, Ireland is, is filled with actual browsers that actually have different network speeds that actually have different retargeting sets. Yeah. You can't just treat Ireland as a thing or the US or the G4 or all mobile. They're really, unfortunately, unique almost, well, optimally all the way down to the particular browser. Mm -hmm. And so eventually I moved to a cookie based system where I would track a very light amount of bid landscape and time landscape data, and then every single page view optimize the settings. I mean, I guess it's we're getting back to the issue of really getting into the granular level of managing anything is tough, and isolating what actually affects what is very hard when you're pushing content all over the world. It is. Um, so, you know, I don't expect many publishers to be able to follow in the footsteps of sort of a, a really rigorous approach. Um, so some high level wins that I, I, I would throw out there would be, you know, you can make assumptions, you know, you, you know, where, you know, mobile is slower, tablet is slower, the, yeah. the network, the, the RAM, everything is going to be slower. And so even just rank ordering your header, header bidder partners by total revenue per month or fill or relationship and, and narrowing down, calling a few, you know, fewer of them in, in one environment versus another. Uh, or by geo, you know that the pricing and time is going to just out of the five major English speaking countries be a little bit slower. Yeah. You know, start, start with some things there. Um, make sure you at least set a global timeout if you do mediation. And then hopefully you get that timeout to be by geo and device. Um, those are kind of, they're good starting points to at least cover your bases as a, as a best practice, even without a lot of data behind it. Yeah, that makes sense. And maybe it's from having never been an ops person myself, but where do you manage these timeouts? So if you have your own, uh, if you're using prebid or pub food yeah. or indexes wrapper, you can manage things in that code. It's JavaScript code. Yeah. Uh, 
you can you can work with your actual publisher uh, uh, platforms like uh, you know Index or Rubicon or OpenX. You can have them set a timeout on their auctions uh, that you negotiate with them. You you would need to do it typically in the JavaScript that manages the bid requests and handles the bid responses. So are there parts of kind of the ad tech world that you don't see as worth the trade-off with the latency they bring, either like ad formats or types of tracking pixels or any type of tech? Or it really depends? Yeah, it really depends. I think under evaluation, there are case by case. So it is, it is, it's dependent upon the audience and the, the sites. Um, and so it is case by case. I can't, I can't blanket say anything's really bad, uh, and not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does always go back to that speed versus opportunity thing. Like you, you can get uh, user match pixels from platforms and try to drop more of those, which can increase the chance of bid matches and your your bid density on the, the various exchanges. Yeah. Awesome. But then it's more network bandwidth JS processing. Yeah. Right. And so it's, you're gonna you know you can you can allow video ads very high CPM, mm-hmm. but super slow to render and fire that they've displayed. And you're gonna just kind of find that over and over again. And so I think that that as a publisher, you need to understand the audience and their behavior in terms of time on page, interest and acceptability of various ad formats, usefulness, how, how many uniques do you have versus repeat users? Is you have a really deep uh, page views per session or very light? All of these kinds of dynamics will influence how you customize and tune your advertising framework. So, for example, if you have very shallow user sessions, it probably doesn't make sense to invest in preloading the pages behind the first page. Probably not, yeah, because yeah. you don't have a lot of opportunities. Yeah, the, the longer we've done this podcast, you find that there's only a couple kind of like best practices within ad tech, and then it just gets very site-specific very quick. <laughs> yes, it becomes nuanced. Yeah, super nuanced. But I think I, to, to take it all the way back to the top level, the big argument against header bidding and especially multi-header bidding is today, as far as I know, latency. Yeah. Oh, be careful. It's going to slow your page down. And I think that that is a red herring. I would advocate strongly for publishers to, to consider header bidding mm-hmm. and, and even multi-header bidding because the benefits it can bring in terms of opportunity is very strong. Yeah. And yeah. the risk that it brings in terms of your page getting much slower is actually, I would even argue, not uh, not even there, if done correctly. Now the the so what is the downside? If this is just so great, why wouldn't everybody do it? Unfortunately, it it, it is a little bit hard. Yeah. Like you have to actually have some coding and and things like that. Now companies like the one I'm at now, Index, is offering a, a wrapper solution. So we we will do the work for publishers. Other companies offer that. There's PubFood, Prebid. I mean, I think all of the major platforms will now offer to do some sort of wrapper for you. Yeah. Um, so. There's options, but I, I'm I still remain very strongly advocating to the publisher that header bidding is a is a great solution to get into this whole area of actually taking some control over managing your opportunity versus speed. Yeah, and it makes logical sense. And I could be wrong about this, but you know, if you have a header bidding option on top of a shorter waterfall as opposed to a waterfall with you know twenty plus passbacks, the whole bid process could actually be shorter with header bidding in it. <laughs> Yeah, because again, A, it's asynchronous versus those passbacks tended to be synchronous tags. And B, yeah. you're doing them concurrently instead of uh, sequentially. And when you do them concurrently, the real thing that you potentially hit is like RAM processing network bandwidth. Yeah. But those are, are pretty big, big pipes versus 
DOM rendering is just, you just stop the DOM. Like you just stop the page loading. That's the old thing we used to see where the page would load until it hits an ad slot and then it just stops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That does not happen with header bidding. So in that regard, I think it's just clearly a better methodology for getting ads on a page. Yeah. And it makes sense that you would have almost, let's call it like the top five through 10 partners from your original waterfall who now support header bidding. Just bid it once. Yeah. And then have, you know, the bottom half pass back. Yeah, exactly. Where would you say most publishers are now with managing latency? Like, is it on their radar or just depends on the skills that they have in house? Yeah, my sense is that it's on, it's on everybody's radar. But I think that today the standard is a single global timeout yeah. for your, your header bidding group, which, you know, that's, that's a like emergency level risk management, management. It helps you not have, you know, no ads a bunch, yeah. but uh, is certainly not by any means optimal. And what do you think stopping people from breaking that down more granularly? Just lack of tech resources to implement it or knowledge or what? Yeah, I think it's a lack of tech resources typically. You know, once you start getting into any sort of um, granular approach of management, it's not incredibly complicated, but it, it gets a bit out of hand. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of publishers just don't have uh, the resources available to kind of take the risk of getting involved in that. I mean, are the, the header bidding wrappers going to move to a place where they're more UI based or do you think they'll always be more uh, JavaScript based? I think that they will be more UI based. I think that there's, it's an, it's an emerging market right now and, yeah. and it's sort of a rush to bring, you know, really code to page mm -hmm. today. And I know our approach is, is not only code to page, but a whole bunch of engineers that will help customize it for you. So yeah. that's great. And I think that as soon as those uh, offerings can be a bit more productized, uh, we, we ought to see the sort of uh, standard ad tech dashboards, you know, like the same place you log in and can see your reports. You can perhaps tweak your, your variables and values for your, um, your container, your wrapper. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that makes sense. You know, as the products evolve, they'll get more user friendly. Yeah. This is all still very new. Uh, it has moved very quickly. And I think that part of the, reason it hasn't solidified into a stronger product offering is that it's just the innovation is happening every day. Yeah, we're go we're going more towards header bidding, which is fine. But like, where where are you guys innovating on the wrapper itself? Like, what what work still has to be done? It's it's hard to say exactly what work has to be done. I mean, there's there's plenty of avenues forward. I mean, as we talked about earlier on this podcast, you know, I was talking about network bandwidth management in real time. That's something that's not entered the marketplace yet. Neither yeah. has dynamic floor pricing in real time or uh, a really robust um, header bidding reporting solution where yeah. you can look at your total bid time landscape by dimension uh, associated with your Google page uh, analytics. Uh, nothing like that exists today. And I think that that is a huge uh, area of, of value to publish publishers to be able to see is my you know which ones of my editorial are, are making how much money for what users in what dimension that seems obvious to me that that should exist all of the data for that exists today nobody's put it together yet yeah i would think it'll come up you know come up from one of the major vendors the data i mean the data from the combination work that we've done it's less that it exists and it's more that it's very tricky to get the vendors to all play nice with each other and provide reporting like index is actually one of the ones that's very open and transparent um, but a lot of them you just get kind of crickets from. Yeah, we're 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 very much about transparency and uh, integrity. But I, you know, it, you get a bid from all the platforms, so you know it, it's really it's up to the publisher or that solution that sits in the middle to 
store, track, and associate all of those bids. Um, the data is floating around right there on the publisher's page. All right, Sue, man, I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to cover. It was super informative. Latency is not something kind of uh, I know that much about, but kind of a combination of this episode and Manny's episode. I feel like I now understand a lot better. Excellent. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Anything, any messages you want to kind of pass on to the larger AdOps world? Just keep swimming. Yeah. There's, there's, there's <laughs> value ahead of you. I know it's com- complex, but uh, keep swimming. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sweet. Thanks, Gabe. Yep. Have a good one. Bye-bye.